FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. Episode 60. Whoa. 60? Probably sounds like a bigger deal than it is. But. <laughs> but yeah, 60. Anyway, who is this talking to you, you may be asking yourself. No, they're not. <laughs> well, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and I have my co-host, Denise Seibert. Hey, everybody. Anyway, we're going to finish up the uh, month of September for all the Wolverine and Wolverine-related books. So when are you officially going to, or how many podcasts do you think we have before you stop introducing me as Denise Seibert? Uh, at least one more. No, probably two or th- between one and five. <laughs> I was going to say, is it, will it officially be episode 70? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we won't make it that far. Uh, so we'll do this, then we'll finish the digi- digital Wolverines, and then we'll probably do one more regular episode. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to see you actually try and figure it out. I'm going to say four. Four. Okay. But, we'll see if you're right. No, we're not. I'm not signing a contract on that. Okay. Yeah, that's just my, my best guess right now. But you'll be happy to know. Oh, I'll be happy to know or they'll be happy to know. Possibly both. Okay. This episode, we will officially unveil our new rating system. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) We have a new rating system? Yep. We're going to take your advice and camera was on board and no one else really talked about it. But I know Pat, who probably won't listen to this, is liking it. Pat, come on. I even put a Facebook post to tell you, you to listen to it. He said he would listen to the current episodes once he caught up on his reading. So, you know, someday. Pat, yeah, read faster. Read faster. But anyway, Speed yeah. Speed reading. We're, we're going to do um six out of six claws. So a six claw rating from here on out. Ooh. Now what this means. Uh-oh. The stuff I've already covered on the podcast. If you want to know what it like converts to... You just get your little head and your little earbuds and you figure out what you think my own ratings convert to. I like that. We're not gonna I'm not gonna go back and try to figure out everything I've podcast on and, and like scale it up. <laughs> no. And I don't so, think you should. No, and I, I don't I don't think anybody would expect me to, but I just wanted to clarify. But yeah, but from here on out, that's what we're doing. Six, Six claws. claws. Nice. Um, I don't think we'll ever find one, but we are going to take your snapped score as yes! well. Um, this makes me very, very happy. Do I get the middle finger claw review too? If you want to do one claw. Yeah. Yay, it can be a middle finger. Yeah, that's fine. Yay. You can do whatever you want. You wore me down. Yay, you're <laughs> just getting ready for marriage. That makes me want to revoke it. <laughs> if you're going to play that card, I'm not cuckold. Do what? Google it. Okay. Get a dictionary. Learn some vocabulary. Get ready for your SAT. Baby, I haven't taken the SAT and I don't know how long. We won't say. And I'm an art major. <laughs> SATs mean jack to me. Right. Now, ask me to doodle. Doodle. Doodle away. Yeah. 
So I don't think we'll ever get a snack, but it does exist out there. Oh, no. If I had to go back, there'd be one that had a snack. Which one? Oh, one of the regular Wolverine ones. <laughs> you think it's bad enough for a snack? Uh, there's one in there that I literally was like, I don't want to give it anything. Cause that's, uh, to me, a snack is different than zero claws. Yeah, it's a shrivel up and no, a snack is I brought the claws out and then I brought them back in. Uh, I'm sure there's one of those Wolverines. Well, in we'll there. see. We'll we'll leave it open. Now that said, the the double snick is just another way of saying six claws. It's not like a cut above it. Dang. Yeah, me and Cameron kind of talk, hash that out. So. Hashtag. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that thing was everywhere this week. If y'all don't know, it was the... Uh, yeah, was it Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake? No, it was... Uh, um, Jason Sudeikis? No, who's the guy who has his own show? Um, Crap, Saturday Night Live. Jimmy, no, not Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy. Fallon? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. It was Fallon and Timberlake. Yeah. Fallon and Timberlake. I haven't actually watched it yet. I heard you laughing at it. I played it out loud so you could hear it. Yeah, I kind of heard it, but I didn't see it. Oh, it is hilarious. But it's not from lack of opportunity. Oh, okay. Everybody I know Facebook and tweeted that link. And did they hashtag it? (laughs) Yes, I'm sure they somebody Hashtag funny. Hashtag awesome. And the best thing to do is to post that on Twitter and then hashtag ironic. (laughs) That's what somebody should have done. I really wanted to repost it and hashtag it. Hashtag or hashtag awesome. and then spell out the word hashtag. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to hashtag awesome. Hashtag, hashtag. Right. But anyway, this is not about that. This podcast is about Wolverine. Hashtag Wolverine. Oh, my gosh. Hashtag <laughs> snicked. Hashtag snapped. Hashtag I'm going to stop this track now and we're going to move on to Savage Wolverine. Hashtag number eight. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't do that right. <laughs> no, you didn't. So in, in point with the video, I screwed up the hash. Hashtag shut the uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first up, we have Savage Wolverine number eight. Woohoo. And no, you're not mistaken. I said Savage Wolverine number eight. Because Slow Joe Mad didn't get an issue out in August. That's why we skipped it. Well, wasn't he working on other stuff? No, and he's he's always kind of had trouble with staying on schedule. And it's okay, because I love him. And he's one of my favorite artists, but he well, definitely... This, I will say, spoiler. Uh, oh, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> his, As usual. His but, art is amazing. Yeah, it is. It was, it was worth the wait. But I'm just wanting to point out that I almost kind of, when I was doing the last episode for August, I was like, oh, crap, did I miss it? <laughs> and I went and go double check and make sure I didn't have it laying around somewhere. No, artists are the greatest procrastinators. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, so here we are in September. But we don't have to wait long for number nine. It comes out next week. Oh, he must have been, like, booking it. No, it's a new artist. Oh. <laughs> it's a new team. That explains it. Well, sa- all right, so Savage Wolverine, I think we've said this before, but it's kind of going to be like a Wolverine showcase book. Okay. So, like, Frank Cho did the first arc, and then Zeb Wells and Joe Mad did this arc, and then Jock is doing the art on the next arc. I don't remember who's writing it, 
anyway, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that too because he's an artist I love. And then on deck after Jock is uh, Phil Jimenez. So, lots of great art on this this book for a long time. All right, so this book, of course, is written by Zeb Wells, art by Joe Maggeria. Or Joe Mad, in case I said it wrong. I can't go wrong with Joe Mad. Pete Stegerwald is the colorist. BC's Corey Pettit is the letterer. Woohoo! BC's Corey Pettit. <laughs> I shouldn't I laugh because I like it. him. He's a good letterer. I just think it's funny how excited you are. I just love saying it. Woohoo! BC's Corey Pettit. <laughs> All right. And then Joe Mad and Stegerwald did the cover. Uh, what do you think about this cover? Um, I love Wolverine's like moustache. <laughs> you mean his shadow? His moustache. His moustache. He does kind of have a, a big, like, super thick Tom Selleck moustache. And he has no wrist. No, Joe Madden doesn't give him wrist. He gives him giant forearms. No, but I really, I, I actually but, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. All kidding aside, I thought it was a pretty awesome cover. Um, I like the shadow work on it a lot. Yeah, but I'm really, again, like, I like the iPad because on certain things, the brightness really helps panels pop. Right. But I, I get, it's, like, It's a little art, more muted on the, on the actual yeah, physical Yeah, I get, like, floppy. art envy when I look at yours. Well, you can always just read the comics. Yeah, the last time I did that, you were like, don't read this. I think it was a flashback episode. You were oh. like, don't read this. Read this. Don't read. Th-. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That was a whole. That's because of the whole classic X-Men. That's all in the past. We're done with that. Okay. Anyway. Well, that and I will admit when we were flying to Aspen and I had to read the paper comics, the ads drove me nuts. Oh, yeah. You don't get any ads. No, I don't. That's why you pay full price for a digital comic that yeah. costs nothing to make. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Right, but yes, uh, so well, well, let's describe the cover. It's uh, a pile of dead ninjas, and then Wolverine facing us, and Electra with her back to us. They both look really badass. Katana blades everywhere. Yes, there are katana blades and Wolverine claws everywhere. And a moustache. <laughs> and Tom Selleck is Wolverine. <laughs> All right, so since we've had a couple months off, let's remind us that um, Electra and Winston Wolverine to hunt down a bullseye because she was under the influence, not under the influence, she was under the impression that Kingspin, that Kingpin, Kingspin, I can't talk to that. They thought that the hand had brought bullseye back to life to get the Kingpin, and the Kingpin wanted help to get rid of him. And of course, the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. Is my friend. So, Electra and Wolverine were going to go after Bullseye. Of course, it turns out Bullseye was not raised by Kingpin's dead wife. And so that's kind of where we are. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're going to edit that I, out to make yourself sound better. Probably. <laughs> I was never very good at fortune cookies. All right, so I love this, this starting off with our narrator, Somewhere Bad. I love that. And so we see a bunch of panels upside down. Then we see Wolverine's face. And basically they're talking about Wolverine. And he's kind of waking up. And uh uh-oh, he's chained upside down. And Electra is fighting the giant mute guy. With no underwear. (laughs) So then we switch over to New York. And Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the the Kingpin, 
is pleading with his zombie wife. And I love how he has a ring on every finger. Yes. It's his version of brass knuckles. Right. And she's like, and then she gets super mad and looks super awesome. I love this panel. This, if Walking Dead was in oh, color. Oh, puts them to shame, man, I think. What? This, this panel puts them to shame. Well, I was going to say, if Walking Dead was in color, yeah. it would be this good. Yeah. Well, but their zombies don't yeah. wield, like... You, you, well, you specify, you're talking sickles. about the comic, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But I, I, I like the... It's two different tones. It is two different but, but tones. But this, this is an awesome panel. But, well, in Walking Dead, they don't carry around sickles. And, yes, and she'd be missing some teeth. Yeah. But I, I love the little detail, like the little glint in her eyes. Yeah, and oh yeah. There's just, there are all these little details that are just awesome. Yeah. So we get a Wolverine's kind of talking to himself and he says, one bad thing about having a mutant, a mutant healing factor, you always wake up. And so uh, the Arbiters, who are the guys kind of deciding whether Kingpin deserves to have the hand or not, they're taunting Wolverine. And they're also the people that brought his wife, Vanessa, back to life. Or not back to life, but... Zombifier. Yeah, and so they're taunting Wolverine, basically telling, basically catching him and us up to speed. <laughs> I love Wolverine's face here, where he's got kind of one eye closed and he's frowning. Oh, and he's all just beat to hell. Yeah, it looks awesome. So we go back to Wolverine, and Vanessa is attacking the king. Back to Wolverine. Back to the kingpin. Back to the king. I told you I can't talk tonight. Back to the kingpin. That's what I'm here for. That's right. And she's slicing and dicing, and what Kingpin takes a yeah. sickle in the forearm. Yeah, and one in the back. One in the back. And he says he's not going to fight her, so he keeps getting slammed. But then he says, that's enough. I am the Kingpin. And he punches her in the face pretty hard. Yeah. And good thing about Joe Matt, or one of the things about Joe Matt, everybody can open their mouth really big. Yeah. I was starting to But it looks too. like he breaks her jaw. So we go back to the very bad place or somewhere bad, and Electra is getting her ass kicked. I love this sort of shadowy. Yeah, you it don't looks see cool. the action, but you you see the shadow of what's going on. Yes, I agree. So then I guess the head arbiter, or the one who talks, keeps calling Wolverine an animal. He says, "We're going to see what you really are," and Wolverine delivers an awesome line. He says, "I'm going to make you a promise, Bub. You do not want to know what I really am." I like the color in that panel, too. Yeah. Oh, he's all in shadow. He's all gray and black. Mm-hmm. And there, I like the little bit of red. Yeah, It's almost background. a slightly foreboding, like, yes. I know what I am. You really don't want to know. Right. You're about to see the blood, your own blood. <laughs> yeah. Got it. And then the, uh, the arbiter with the little girl with the mask takes her mask off. And there's And her face is awesome. She has bugs and spiders and a big snake coming out of her hole of a face. Yeah. It's super creepy, but super cool. I also really like the detail on the inside of the snake. He could have easily yeah. just made that black. He could have. It would have looked just as cool, but I thought the detail looked really nice. You see the That's why it took him part. a whole extra month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see the little part in the snake's mouth where the tongue would come out, but there's no tongue. Yeah. But anyway, it looks really awesome. <laughs> and the little spider crawling on her mask looks yeah. great. And Wolverine gets all wide-eyed. And says she smells like the past. Ew. I that was interesting. What does the past smell like? Sweat? 
Yeah, I guess. Or My workouts at six in the morning. Through. Yeah. Is it a five mile run kind of a smell or like a one mile sprint? It says he feels the animal stirring. We get a couple of flashbacks as she wakes it up hard. We see Wolverine kind of in his Weapon X get up right after he escaped. That looks really cool because it's almost all in silhouette. Again. And we see Wolverine popping the claws. I'm having art envy. Looks better on the page. Yeah. Yeah. And then I like how his pupils go all white. Because you know what? I'm sorry. Whoever puts it together for the iPad. Like, so Jason's got a really nice double spread that like the way it works together it works really, well. It's not really, really a well. double spread. It's two pages. It's two pages, it's but... It's not like a connected image. No, like it's spread. not. But, but they do look pretty badass sitting next to each other. Yes, and I, so I feel like I missed out. <laughs> anyway, we get some really cool panels of Wolverine popping his claws and flashbacks. And then an awesome panel of him busting loose. Like, all right, you woke up the killer. You woke up the animal. You got it. And we get a big yarn, which... Probably doesn't sound quite that piratey. No, but I um, love the saliva just yeah, he's drooling got out of his mouth. Drool falling out of his mouth. And I love the way I've said this before, but I love the way Joe Mad draws Wolverine's claws. That okay, so it's like a cross between Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, and Manga. What I love about this is again, it's all the little details. You know, so in art they have you you've got artists who over detail things right and then you have artists who don't put enough details into things well and there's there's pros and cons to both of those yes but joe man has a nice balance well i was gonna say i think and there's what panels I, where there's stuff is kind of vague yeah and there's panels where stuff is really clean yeah but i i guess i'm attracted to it because he adds the little details that i would add into a drawing <laughs> right. like his the way his uh, uniform's ripped and it's just right. a little piece hanging over the over belt buckle. Belt. Yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, and it's things that th- another artist probably would have just... John shown the stomach and... Yeah, let, let moved the, on. Yeah. But it it just helps. It I just, agree. It's awesome. It's a nice touch. And I love the colorist. Steagerwall did a great on this issue, too. Yeah. I love the background behind Wolverine. Like how it's red, but not the whole thing. Well, and I love, so, you know, he's got all the saliva coming out of his mouth. So the colorist, it's like he has these little interjects. Mine are more blue than yours. Yours are kind of brown on the page, but they're kind of blue. So it almost, it's like saliva spewing everywhere. (laughs) All right. Cool. So Wolverine breaks loose and the big giant mute guy takes notice. He's like, oh, this guy again. I'll knock him out again. And then we get a face of all red Wolverine. And Wolverine, in all silhouette, jumps at the giant guy with the giant claws and goes just right at him and cuts the bone hands off of his mouth. And suddenly, he's not mute anymore and he can speak. And we get an awesome panda where he looks really like, almost childlike. I mean, in a monstrous way, but... Yeah, it, he it looks like you can tell he's hurt. Yeah, and not just hurt like oh, physically. Oh, you stepped on like, my finger. Yeah, like, he just looks like I, I don't like almost like he doesn't know who he is anymore. Well, I think like, it's he's lost his purpose. I think it's a shocking. He's used to like beating everybody's butt. Yes, and now someone in one foul swoop has beaten him and broken him. Broken him so that he can talk, but he can't really talk. So yeah, the way I kind of looked at it to me is it almost like. 
Those hands maybe like magically held his jaw together so he couldn't talk, but it also helped him. Like maybe it hurts to talk. Like that's kind of the impression I got. They're like he's in pain when he has to talk and when his mouth is open. So those jaws were maybe made him lose his voice, but they also made his face more comfortable. Some, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's the from the facial expressions and everything, that's kind of what I got from that. I kind of took it as if someone came and broke your jaw. Right. I mean, you, you literally would be like, I can't, how am I supposed to communicate? How am I supposed to, not only am I in excruciating pain, but, you know, now I can't, right. I can't do what I need to do. Yeah. Anyway, he screams in horror and Wolverine yells really loud. And the guy goes, <laughs> which I love this panel because the thing about it too is he goes from being like the most intimidating person on the page to, to the least intimidating yes. person. Yeah. We're back in the Kingpin and he's fighting Vanessa. He says, you are not, you are not Vanessa. But then he hesitates because maybe she is. And he keeps trying to talk himself kind of like the walking dead thing where you try to convince yourself this isn't really the person I know and love. It's right. Just as zombie, my, the person I know and love is dead, is gone. And he's kind of having that argument with himself. Like, this isn't really my wife, but sure, it looks like my wife. I mean, ugly, And I miss my wife. No lotion version of my wife, but... <laughs> Lots of no lotion. Yeah. I also really like this panel where Wolverine's kind of fading. Or there's like a color fade on him. Yeah, I wanted to look at your paper comic. Okay. I wanted to, because on the iPad, it looks like, um, almost like they smudged out his face. Yeah, there's some smudging going on. Yeah. I think it's a little weird. I think it's cool. I just think it's a little weird. On the right. iPad, it looks even stranger. Yeah. And also, his claws are red, or a pinkish red. So the Arbiter tells Wolverine to finish his enemy. And we get a snack. He says, No. And the guy says, there's mercy in him. And then he says an awesome line from Wolverine. He says, the blood on your hands, how it must weigh on you. To have the animal and the mercy, the conscious, to be human and noble, but have this like killer instinct, like that makes a lot of conflict. And I think the all-knowing, super smart arbiter is very insightful here. Yes. So, so the girl puts her mask back on, and they say that they've judged Wolverine. And he's free to leave. Of course, he's not going to leave because they're still beating on Electrum. And she says, I've had enough. And he says, sounds like a plan. So they, they're going to skedaddle. And the, the Arbiter says, you have earned your passage. The Arbiters judge you a noble man. The <laughs> Wolverine looks back out of the corner of his eye and says, then I guess the Arbiters don't know crap. <laughs> and she says, he says, why do you torture yourself? Does the lion weep for the gazelle? And he says, that all sounds good, bub, but I'm not an animal. And then the arbiter gets this really big smile on his creepy face. Creepy smile. Yeah, super creepy. I think it's, I actually had a nightmare about it. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got hands over his eyes and a big smile. He says, no, no, you are not. Yeah, the night, the first night I read this, I had a, a zombie dream, which... I, FYI to all the listeners out there, I have a zombie dream at least once a week. Yeah, and um, too much Walking Dead. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we share the Walking Dead story? Where I freaked myself out on a run. Uh, sure. 
I love that story. Okay. So. All right. Time out. Time out. Because it's a really good story. I'm drinking some of your wine. No. I'm empty and you're talking. Oh, I guess that's my feet, right? For sharing my story. Yep. Share a story, share a glass of wine. Okay. So for all you listeners out there, on occasion, I like to run at night because yeah. it's cooler. Mm-hmm. And I like to run late at night. In the summer, I won't walk max unless the sun is down. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and I like to do this, this special kind of run. And basically, you get really hot really fast because you're basically sprinting. And uh, so one night, it was kind of late, like, what, 9.30-ish? <laughs> You just made us sound so old. Well, no. And we are. To we start are. a we're, run. We're a bunch of geezers. No, but to right. start a run at 9.30 at night. Yes, that's kind of late for a run. Yeah. So, where we live, there's a bunch of big open fields. So, of course, what did we do before I went on a run? Well, we watched Walking Dead. We watched how I many wa- episodes of Walking Dead? Uh, I think two. So, we watched two episodes of Walking Dead. Then I put on my running gear, started running. And of course, we were in the season when they're out at the farm. Right. So as I turn the corner and I run past the we middle school. We just watched well where the zombie, the herd of zombies attacks the school. The farm. The farm. Oh, the farm. That's yeah. right. So of course, I run past the middle school. And it got me thinking about Walking Dead when they <laughs> went and broke into the school. And right next to the school is a really big open field. And it was like, man, this looks just like The Walking Dead. Big open field, blah, blah, blah. And of course, the road kind of curves. And as I'm running, I see this shadow, which looks like it's coming towards me. And it looks like it's got arms hanging out like a zombie. And it's moving kind of lankily like a zombie. And I literally had a panic attack. And I thought, holy crap. And I ran across the street and started to run in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And I maybe went about, oh, 10 feet and told myself, no, zombies aren't real. (laughs) Zombies, there's nothing coming after me. And I made myself turn around and I made myself go back across the street. And then I realized it was my shadow. Yes. You were literally running from your own shadow. I literally was running from my own shadow, and my heartbeat was. I thought it was going to have a heart miles an hour. Yeah. yeah, so that's my Walking Dead story. All right, so time in. So, um, Kingpin is pleading with Vanessa. Can't not, plead with zombies. Not to ruin her memory. If there's even a piece of you in there, give me a sign, and I will see that no harm ever comes to you again. You were the one who showed me I need not be a monster. Please don't make me be one now. And she says his name. She goes, Wilson. And then she growls, Wilson. And she throws her skies. And then Kingpin's like, I love you, Vanessa. And he breaks her in half. And he says, I give you peace, my love. I. And she goes, Wilson. And we get a from behind the Kingpin. I love your sound effects. <laughs> the death rattle. And the sky is in the chest of a ninja. And Kingpin realizes he wasn't throwing the sky at him, but at she was actually trying to protect him from this would-be assassin. And this took me... I didn't get it the first time. Oh, I understand. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I mean, 
Alright, so what happens is like Kingpin's begging for any kind of indication that his wife is still in there. And he thinks he has it, but then she gets enraged and throws her weapon at him. He thought he just ducked and was that cool. And so he snaps her in half, and then he realizes as he looks out of the corner of his eye that she didn't miss. She hit the guy she wanted to hit. She was trying to protect her husband. And she says, Goodbye, Wilson. Kingpin says, No, 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 Vanessa. No, do not leave me again. He actually cries, which we never see. Poor guy. Kingpin does not cry. He has feelings, too. He just wants to be loved. Yeah, and he, he's cradling his dead wife again. And then he gets this look of evil determination on his face. <laughs> and we see that the Arbiters are meeting with the guy who was... Who I th- see, I thought this guy was an Arbiter. I thought he was too. Or like at least like the human... Version? Liaison of the Arbiter. I guess he was just just some chump working for the hand. But was he working for the hand or was he working for the Arbiters? No, because the Arbiters just turned him back over to the hand. Our work here is done. Or did he turn him over to the big guy with all the tads? You said he I would fail, like, so, and he didn't. I feel like he's a hand accountant. And he hired the arbiters, and now he's got to pay for his... His, his oops. Yeah. His shredding anyway, incident. The, yeah. <laughs> the arbiters say that the kingpin has lost every shred of his humanity, and now he is fit to lead all of the hand. Which... Ooh. You know what? I, I, I'm begging oh, if anybody he from threw Marvel. the Chunky Cheese Hacky Sack. The Chunky Cheese Hacky Sack, which I found in my house looking through boxes last night. Anyway, um, so if anybody who's at Marvel is listening, or anybody who knows anybody at Marvel, or anybody who wants to take up my cause and tweet somebody at Marvel, I want to see a Kingpin Sabretooth War over the hand. That would be interesting. That would be Awesome. I don't even care if the, the heroes come on not get involved till it's over. I'm just just all out and just Kingpin versus Sabretooth. That would be awesome because then Wolverine can get in the middle of it. Like, who's he going to help? Well, nobody. He doesn't want to help any of them. No, I know, but it'll be one of these, like, he's got to help somebody because <laughs> if he just lets these two duke it out, the world everybody, will come to an end. Right, right. Everybody, everybody loses. Yeah, so yeah. he has to, like, pick the side, the moral complex of who should he help but anyway i want to see that and i want to see it sooner than later because kingpin's expanding his control of the hand not just america not just new york as we'll see here in a second and Sabretooth is probably not going to be content to just stay in japan no so they've got to come into conflict at some point anyway the armorers decide that kingpin is worthy but the big ninja wants revenge for kingpin killing his brother and says, this middleman will have to do, and you can have your revenge. They say, we'll allow it. And again, they have the black speech with the white letters. And so he picks the guy up by the neck and breaks his neck, chokes him out. So we go back to Avengers Tower. Electra is dropping off Wolverine and says, she's got to go find um, Bullseye. And uh, Wolverine says, because um, Electra says, I would not have spared Shikaru's life had our places been reversed. Wolverine says, I made a decision. I didn't say it was the right one. And she looks away and says, nor did I say it was wrong. 
So I think Electra kind of came to a realization here that as much as Wolverine is willing to do the dirty work and as violent and primal as he is, he still, he really is, the armor is a right. And the, at his core, he is a noble man. Yeah. He may have the conflict of his nobility and his ferocity, but the noble man still exists in there. And I think, I think honestly, that's why Electra says she has to do this alone. Because she realized when, when she says that, that Wolverine, you know, pulled his claws in and didn't kill the guy because he was helpless at that point. And Electra's like, you know, I just took my sides and stuck it right in his ear hole. <laughs> you know, and she realizes, you know what, we're not the same. Well, Some of our means may be the same, but we're not the same. Well, and it wasn't this, I don't think it was this comic, but one of the comics that I'm reading for another podcast down the line they referred to Wolverine as a ninja. Like, he is a ninja. Very, you know, I only fight when I need to. He's really more of a samurai. Yeah. But. But I, I want to, I can't remember. But I want to say they'd refer to him as a ninja. But yeah, I mean, only fighting when he needs to. And only inflicting as much damage as what needs to be Well, unless inflicted. he goes berserk. Right. Right. So, so, but that's the two sides of Wolverine. And part of the reason I find it so interesting is because there's always that conflict. So, what between, are you? What? What are you? Oh, I'm all berserk, maybe. <laughs> okay. I'll remember that as I read your poetry that you write me. <laughs> Editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she says she has to go alone. And Wolverine says something that kind of threw me for a loop here. She goes, and just like that, she's gone. I guess that's how. I guess that's how a killer breaks up with you. So, what did he? He feel just like? means like about the mission, right? <laughs> I kind of got the feeling he was like, I mean, we didn't do it, but I felt like we were together. Yeah, I kind of like he's sad to see her go, and I thought that was kind of. It kind of took me off guard for a second. I think that was maybe his like analogy right. for we're not a team anymore. Anyway, he comes in and Spider Man's in his room. I know Wolverine crawls in the window. He doesn't use doors. Right. But Spider-Man says that he, he stitched up... He lost his key. He stitched... Yeah. Spider-Man stitched up some of his sheets and says uh, he's going to take off. And Wolverine's like, nah, you can stay if you can sit quietly. And he's like, oh, really? Okay, sure, Logan. And then we get a silhouette. I mean, you can still see Spider-Man's eyes. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. They're just sitting in chairs in front of a coffee table. And there's one There's one panel where they're quiet. And Spider-Man can't help himself. He's got a chatter. He's like, so did. And Wolverine's like, quietly. He's like, yeah, sure, got it. You know what this panel reminded me of? What? <laughs> right before we take Ethan to the movies. Okay, if you can be good and oh, sit right, through this right. movie and not say a word. Right. And as soon as the previews come on, I want to see that. I'm out of popcorn. Can I have a refill on my orange soda? No, you have to be quiet in the movie or we can't go to the theater. That's what it reminded me of. And the fact that Ethan wants to be Spider-Man. Right, right. For Halloween. And of course, the picture I took of Ethan in his Halloween costume reminds me of this Spider-Man. <laughs> yes, this kind of very minuscule Spider-Man. Yes. All right. So the Arbiters give us our little kind of closing dialogue. They say some, facing the arbiter's judgment, find themselves set free, referring to Wolverine. 
others find themselves mired even deeper in their sins. And we see King Pan killed a bunch of people in a meeting as he's taking over Germany with the hand. And interesting, you pointed out, or kind of questioned why the big ninja guy was in the room with the King Pan. Yes. I feel like he probably would have preferred to have fought the Kingpin, but he took out his vengeance on the middleman guy. It's like, okay, well, I, I'm not going to buck the system. I'm just... Or he's just... Or he's maybe just waiting to make yes, a play. that's my call. That use him as a... Uh, he can be a twisty guy in the war with Sabretooth. He runs into Sabretooth. Yeah. And Sabretooth he, makes him an offer. Yeah. He can't refuse. There you go. See, I'm writing it for friend. you guys. I'm writing it for you. They just need to listen to our podcast. Yeah, they should. And some seek oblivion and oblivion and violence, knowing already that they are damned. And we see Electra killing a bunch of people and ripping open a bunch of morgue little body swab things, looking for Bullseye and not finding him. So she's on a hunt. Is she killing corpses? I, yeah, I don't. I can't tell. She's like stabbing them, making sure they're not really alive, or that's people that worked at the morgue. That's a whole hell of a lot of people that worked at the morgue. Yeah, I don't know. But there's see, there's blood though. If they're really just dead people, there wouldn't be much, that much blood. Maybe that's just for effect for violence. Anyway. And yet, there's not a drop on her. Yeah, well, that's because she's that good. She's a great Lizzie Borden. Who? You don't know who Lizzie Borden is? She sell milk. <laughs> Ever heard the little children's rhyme? Um, Lizzie Borden. Oh, crap. Now I can't remember. Gave her mother 40 wax. When she was done, she went and gave her father 41. Nope. Okay, so Lizzie Borden was theoretically the first female serial killer, I think. Oh, okay. She supposedly took a hatchet and killed her stepmother and then went downstairs and hatcheted her father while he slept on the sofa. Yeah, that must be a Louisiana thing to have nursery rhymes about serial killers. <laughs> but for the amount of blood that was spilled, um, they never found any article of clothing that had blood on it. So there were theories that Lizzie Borden actually murdered her parents naked and then bathed herself so that there wasn't any blood on her clothing. Okay. Good story. Serial killer trivia for you right there. <laughs> All right, so what, so back to Savage Wolverine, number eight. What you think? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought this was a very good Wolverine story. I did feel a little stupid, and I, I told you that. I felt you really like I only missed one thing. I felt like I wasn't smart enough for it. No, you really only missed the one thing. But it was kind of a big thing. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, it was big. I don't know. I just I I thought this story was great at spotlighting everything that that rocks about Wolverine. I will agree with that. And one. this this whole arc was really good. And this was a great ending to it. I think we kind of already said this, but the art by Joe Matt was fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, the colors by Stingerwall were equally as awesome. Well, and we've never seen the Arbiters before now, right? Yeah, we have. No, I mean like. In this arc. Oh, like, yes. In this story. I'm not aware of them being anywhere else before. So I, I really enjoyed the character development. Yeah. Well, just in their different and, kind of powers and stuff yeah. was, was really interesting. And their designs. Yeah. And Joe Mad were amazing. 
Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I like kind of the the story progression of Wolverine. I mean, I know we've had stories before, so it's not like a new thing where he has, you know, to, he loses his cool and then regains his cool and weighted down by who he is and what he does and who he'd rather be and all that. But I thought this was, I don't know, to me, as long as it's interesting, I don't mind those beats being in the story over and over. And I thought this was a really interesting way of telling it again. Well, so. and I think... So I thought Zeb Wells did a really good job as well. Yeah. I I, I enjoyed the way it was told. Yeah. Because it wasn't like, well, darling, this is what I would do. Right. No, that's my whole point. That it was illustrated in a different way instead of Wolverine himself explaining it. Right, right. He faced down the animal inside and set himself free from it. Right. Which, of course, will only last a few issues. But, you know, whatever. It was a good story. All right. Actually, it was a great story. So, anyway, when are you going to grade this one? Okay. So, I'm only going to give it five claws. All right. So, she gives it five out of six claws. I'm going to give this one the double snicked. Six out of six claws. So, that was a great little uh, Zeb Wells, Joe Mad story arc. And the last chapter was amazing. Savage Wolverine number eight. Denise gives five out of six. And I give six out of six. I gotta say, I'm really looking forward to see what Jock does next. We shall see. Alright, let's move on. Alright, so now we have our Battle of the Atom update. We're gonna get up to the midway point of this uh, crossover X event, whatever you want to call it. I guess it's just say an X-over. An X-over? Yeah. Is that kind of like when you break up with your girlfriend, you have your X-over? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. But yeah, we're going to go to the halfway point. We're going to do chapters four and five of Battle of the Atom. That's going to be Uncanny X-Men 12 and Wolverine and the X-Men number 36. All right. So first up, number 12 is written by Brian Michael Bendis. (laughs) He gets his own buzzer. Um... (laughs) And everyone else gets Max drinking water. Yes. Pencil is by Chris Bacalo, or Bacalo, not sure. I've heard people say it both ways. Inks, we got an army of inkers. We have Tim Townsend, Mark Irwin, Jaime Mendoza, Victor Alazaba, and Al Bay. Which always makes me want to go, Oi Bay! Oi! Yeah. Um... The Colors by Marte Gracia. The Letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. And Arthur Adams and Peter Stegerwald did the cover. I like this cover quite a bit. We have Magneto and um, Emma Frost standing on some rubble. Laying below them are the young Scott Summers, young Cyclops, and young Jean Grey. I think Magneto particularly looks really awesome. I like Arthur Adams version of Magneto here in the the white suit starting to grow on me a little bit still it's not my favorite Magneto suit but it gets the job done I like it it's a nice little change of pace I don't want it to be permanent but I don't like how the black lines sort of accentuate that it's showing off his junk oh (laughs) yes well so what do you think of this cover you really want to know I knew you were going to say something about her boobs. 
No, I'll say something about her boobs later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't like them either, Max. Um, so who's the chick? Emma Frost. Hang on. Okay, so she's Emma Frost, and she has a thing with Cyclops, right? Um, sort of. They were going out, and now they're not really anymore. Okay. Ever since uh, AVX, they've kind of... Uh, well, I think I know I Scott broke up intense. with her. <laughs> Why? Well, would you date someone who walked around like that, showing off her shit? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Okay. In real life or in superhero world? If I went to work like that. Oh, no. That's real life. Uh-huh. Where everybody dresses normal. <laughs> I just have a problem with, like, what's holding her suit up? Nipples. She got claws on those things? <laughs> yes. Sorry. And we already talked about one of her magic powers being, or was it someone else that had sticky nipples? <laughs> it was obviously someone else. Oh, okay. I thought it was her. Anyway. Um, all right. So basically in this story, young Scott and young Jean ran away after the future X-Men tried to make them go back to the past against their will. And they went running to older Cyclops on um, the wrecked island of Utopia is where they're going to meet. And with the un- the new uncanny X-Men. And they talk a little bit. Share they, some mind powers. Yeah, basically all the telepaths. So, so young Jean, Emma, and the cuckoo girls. Cuckoo-cuckoo-cuckoo-cuckoo? Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They all wake up and they show everybody the future X-Men. And then old Cyclops gives us a nice catch-up via dialogue and names everybody off. Of course. Yeah, just so the reader can know what's going on. And um, the magic disappears. And everybody's like, what? We go back to somewhere on the Pacific Coast Highway, and Xavier's grandson is trying to find young Scott and Jean, but he can't. Kenny and Ar- uh, Storm argue about who's doing the right thing. And Kenny kind of makes a point that I made about Storm. I was going to say, when I read this, I was I felt like we had... <laughs> We'd already, we'd, already, had this conversation. we'd already had the conversation, so I kind of like the fact that the comic, in a way, addressed right. your question about yeah. it. I mean, at least they're not ignoring it. Right. Yeah. Not like you have a link to like the people who are writing oh, it. No, definitely not. Wolverine says that the, the kids shouldn't be here. Nothing's more important than the school. And Kenny kind of sticks a little... Blade and twisted in him a little bit. says, I kind of remember a lot of people trying to tell you... What and where and how you should be. I remember people telling you you were nothing but an animal. So it's okay for you not to listen or run away, but it's not okay for them. You ain't mad at me. You're mad at McCoy for bringing them here in the first place. He's got a point. Yeah, they both have points. So we see (laughs) a very interesting meeting on Utopia of the X-Men standing around not talking to each other, thinking about what they're going to do. And I gotta say, I like in this issue... The use of shadow making it look like old print. Okay, so that's called half-toning. Okay, half-toning. I, I was listening to one of your podcasts, and uh, you were trying to come up with a... The word for it? The word for it. Yeah. And I think I was at work yelling, half-tone, <laughs> half-tone. And your boss was like, no, we don't want to half-tone that. Yes. Yeah. In fact, the, the page before that with Xavier, where half of his face is half-toned in pink. Yes. That, to me, is the most ominous panel it is pretty sweet looking i, like I kind of feel like it's foreshadowing maybe so think he's gonna be turn out to be a bad guy possibly all right 
Well, anyway, uh, so the X-Men, Uncanny X-Men are deliberating whether they're going to help young Scott and young Jean, but Cyclops decides they're going to. And Emma says, no. And she's like, they have to go back. And then she says, she basically says, uh, you can't see past what you get out of this. That's a good point. You love, the two things you love the most, Jean and yourself, are right here. (laughs) You can externalize your love for yourself. And of course, he's like, no, that's not it. And Magneto says, (laughs) basically says, Emma's being a bitch, but she's kind of right. Yeah, this is the page I didn't like because she looks like she has one boob. She looks like she has a uniboob. A uniboob, nice. Yeah. All right. And basically, Magneto basically tries to say the same thing nicer. <laughs> but Scott still uh, protests. And basically, young Angel pipes in and says, You know what? We never belonged here. It's time to go home. I was was outvoted and I'm stuck here. Fine. But now you're telling me the future of whatever gets screwed because us being here and we're still trying to stay? Are y'all that thick? Basically what he says. Basically they say, and this is very key, for the time stream to be what it's supposed to be, they all have to go back together to where they came from. Yeah, they can't like onesie it. Right. That's kind of why Angel was stuck around, he says. Yeah, because I get the feeling had you could have onesied it, he would have been long gone. Yes. Yeah, he's very miserable here. Then everybody freezes except for Scott and Jean. And Scott accuses Jean of doing it. And she's like, well, it's not me this time. And then we get a, that's not entirely true. And look, uh-oh, the new X-Men and the modern X-Men have found them. And Lady Zorn, a.k.a. Jean, says y'all are going home and she's frozen everybody what's up with the padlocks on the chains uh just a design i don't know that's one weird corset yeah i don't know that's gotta hurt between your boobs just saying <laughs> probably yeah she basically says that gino fig- this is a power she hasn't grown into yet and she's sorry it has to be this way and then she attacks her younger self but Emma steps in with the cuckoo girls and says, you know what? Pick on somebody your own mental size. With her uniboob. Pick on somebody that hates you. You want to fight? Fight somebody that hates you. Oh, I nominate myself. Yeah. All right, so what do you think of that one? Besides all the uniboobage? Yeah, besides the uniboob. I liked it. The knockers instead of the unibomber? No, the uniboobs. The knockers. I like that. Yeah, that was really good. I want to say I've always been a Bacalo fan or a Bacalo fan. Gracia's colors like add a whole nother level to his art. I think this book just looks beautiful. It's very pretty. Yeah. Uh, can I say pretty to a comic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. It's a gorgeous book. Thought the story progressed along pretty nicely. Kind of see everybody's different little motivations and everything. It kind of took me a while to read it. Cause There's a lot of words. Yeah. Well... Makes it sound like I learned a lot of words in this book. <laughs> no, but it's kind of like everyone has their own opinion. So it's it's like yes. I'm trying to keep mental score of who wants to be here, who doesn't want to be here, who thinks they should go home, who thinks they should go home for their own personal reasons versus moral reasons. Right. You know, it, I did feel like... There's a lot going on in this yeah, story. Everybody has their own opinion of something. And possibly own agenda. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of getting to the point in this story where I'm starting to feel like there's not very many people who are truly altruistic. 
And so I do find it interesting, this storyline of people who are like trying to take the moral high road and then those that purely want something for themselves out of it. Right. So I find that intriguing on a psychological level. Very much so. So I think I'm going to give this one a five out of six claws. Okay. Just because I, I, the mental power, you kind of have to beef it up a little bit to keep track of everything. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it five out of six claws, too. Okay. Why don't you hit the highlights of Wolverine and the X-Men number 36 for us? Okay. So this is Wolverine and the X-Men, Battle of the Atom, chapter five. And it is written by Jason Aaron. Penciled by Giuseppe, I think. Giuseppe Camincoli. You know what? You did that very well. <laughs> Finisher Andrew Curry. And you're the Italian one. Yeah. <laughs> Finisher Andrew Curry. Finisher. Well, isn't that what it Finish says? Finish him. <laughs> it is what it says. I didn't really catch that when I was reading. Colorist Matt Milla. I'm going to say Mia just because I'm from Texas. Okay. Matt <laughs> Mia with Edgar Diaggio. Delgado. Delgado. Hope you edit all this out. Nope. nope. Don't you do the wolves. Great. (laughs) Letter is VCs. Clayton Cowles. And cover artist is Arthur Adams and Peter Siegerwald. All right. So this cover, we have a nice um, little bit of everybody. I actually thoroughly enjoyed this cover. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So we have Jean and her future daughter from another timeline, Rachel. Right. On one side, kind of shooting, making an X with their powers. Right. Okay. Then we have both Cyclopses making an X with their optic blast. Yes. We have Kitty in the middle. And then we have the three Icemen, like you say. We have Zorn. We have Rogue. We have Old Kitty. We have that Runaways girl. We have Xavier's grandson. We have one beast. We have Wolverine. Wolverine getting a Cyclops socking it to him. Is that Rogue? Rogues in the green. Right. Now we have Storm and Lockheed. I guess that's Jubilee with Deadpool. And in the back. And I'm, so I'm guessing then that's Psylocke. All right. So what happens in this one? So we start off San Francisco on the island once known as Utopia. And basically, um, we're having a little uh, mind war. So there's a little Mexican standoff. They're fighting, but everyone's standing still. And of course, young Cyclops is talking to current Cyclops. Asking what's going on. They're just standing there. Right. He kind of explains they're having a mental battle. Then Wolverine, old X-Men and current X-Men show up. Like how he says swim and swimmer. Slim and swimmer. And basically say, okay, we're here to fight. Wolverine and Cyclops kind of have a a back and forth. Wolverine says, this is the part where I give both of you the chance to stand down and be reasonable about all this. And you, of course, ignore me and act like a couple of jackasses. Yeah. Is that about the way of it? Then an all-out fight ensues. Storm tries to get in the middle and say, stop. You know, there's not going to be X-Men on X-Men fighting today. Right. Uh, then Cyclops is like, then why did you bring that, that person to murder my girl girlfriend? Right. Then we go back to the uh, Cuckoo Kachoo girls. <laughs> and they're uh, struggling they in are. this little... Mental mind. Yeah, they're a little outmatched. Yeah, and there's stuff coming out of their mouths and eyes. I think it's supposed to be blood. One of the girls goes down. She's had enough. And then the very next page is probably one of my favorite pages. 
because it's literally you see them in gray, kind of black, white, and gray. And then above them is this full color where future Jean Grey is in blue and the girls are all in red and they're just having an all-out mental cat fight. Right. Emma says her true feelings. She says, why won't you ever stay dead? (laughs) And the girls all go down. And then it's just future Jean Grey against past Jean Grey. Yep, just down to the two of them. And literally, she she says, you know what? I'm just going to have to kill you. And you'll never have to know about your future. Because I'm going to be the one that takes you down. And then um, Kitty... Current Kitty and old Kitty. Kate. Kate. Sorry. Well, no, I, I forgot that too. That's what, but the old, she grows out of Kitty, I guess. Oh. And of course, Jean, Jean Grey's daughter's walking with them. Basically, they're just kind of talking about how you haven't seen it. You don't know what we've been through. Right. You know, um, won't tell us. Yeah. And then we go back down to the fighting. They're all, things are out of control. Then. Yeah. Deadpool. Beast admits that he did the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they Deadpool, I guess, sees somebody that he knew or is famous in the future. Oh, Gold Balls. Yeah, I thought that was funny. They picked that character to be the guy that, that survived. Because apparently these, this, these new Uncanny X-Men are like, how come none of us are in the future? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good question. Yeah. Then we go back, and Cyclops and Cyclops are fighting. We Attorneys still, at law yeah, we from st- ancient Greece. We still have some uh, tele- telepathic cat fight yeah, going on. Yeah, it looks on. like young Jean's starting to win a little bit. Yep. And then we go back to the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning, where I'm guessing that's young Iceman? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And young Beast with Jubilee's baby. Yes. Remember, they, they stayed at the school that's in right. case anybody came back. So basically... McCoy's trying to figure out if future X-Men are really who they say they are. Right. Um, Because they're researching the future, and then all of a sudden, magic appears, and she says, you got to come with me. I need to show you the future. So they leave the baby with... And B says, what's the matter? We turn into a bunch of assholes? It's okay. We get it back to the future joke at the bottom of the page. I love how they leave the baby with Brew, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Bruce is like, what the and hell? The baby's like screaming. You're, yes, you're a cute little homo sapien, aren't you? Yeah. And of course, Iceman says, you think we can stop at a place that sells sports almanacs? Yeah, uh, then we cut back to Wolverine and Iceman and future Iceman still fighting. We still got some telepathic carnage going on. Young Jean is kicking old Jean's tuchus. Yeah, pretty much. And then old Jean tells her, why don't you see? Right? No, she doesn't. She basically begs for Jean to listen to her, her younger self to listen, but it's too dangerous to know. Since you came here all the way to beat up your teenage self, don't lecture me now on the dangers of knowing your future. Show me what's so terrible. Show me. She basically takes it. And then she freaks out and tells everybody to stop. And Deadpool's going to try to shoot himself. But <laughs> tells him to bury him in chimichangas. Nice Deadpool reference. But Jean stops him. She basically goes up to young Scott and says, The right, we can't stay here. 
And he's like, why? He goes, do you trust me? And she says, of course I do. And she says, it's time to go home. And so they're going to leave. And Magneto's like, uh, what's our play here? So basically, they, they all decide it's over. Um, Wolverine goes to Deadpool and says, hey, nice speech. Right. Um, hoping we can set things right for you by, you know, sending these kids home. And Deadpool's like, yeah, no sweat. Me too, Chief. It was a nice speech, wasn't it? It's almost a shame it was a lie. All a lie. Um, and then Magic takes... Whew, this is getting really hard keeping track. Young Iceman and Young Beast. Yes. To the future. To the future. The future Conan. And the year 2000. But he ta- she takes him to the G. The Cre- year 2000. Oh, I can't go that high. No. And let's not try. I used to be able to. She takes him to the. Here, kick me square in the junk. No. So she takes him to the Gene Green. Can I finish? <laughs> no. She takes him to the Jean Grey School of Higher Learning. In the future. In the future. And then there's Sentinels. Yeah, but the first thing we notice is that it's not this bleak, post-apocalyptic future from issue number one. It's actually very nice and pretty and And sterile. the Sentinels ask if they can escort them. Right. They have to be checked into the office. And then in the very last panel, we get... Some more future X-Men. Yes, but you know what? These look like they're different. They are different. Future X-Men. Right, so we have Colossus with a badass handlebar mustache. Iceman has got a different route. Instead of being an ice hulk, he's like an ice mage. Yeah, he's kind of wizard-like. It looks like uh, Cloak and Dagger got together and had a kid. Because this guy has definitely has Cloak's cloak, but also he looks like he might be... Mixed, and then he has the power set of Dagger as well. It looks like somebody maybe mated with Wolverine. Looks like Psylocke and Wolverine had a kid. So that's kind of a a pull from the end of the last Uncanny X-Force book, where they almost had a moment. And it looks like Storm and Black Panther get back together. And Angel? Yeah, I don't know who. I'm not sure who has the Phoenix power here. I'm not sure who's in the Iron Man Sentinel armor. I like how he has an X on his chest. All right, so a different part of the same future or a completely different future? Like, is this like, you know, every there's a nice part of town and a bad part of town. Is this the nice part of the future? I want to say it's different, but what do you think? Well, but I want to know how Magic knew if she went to the future and this is the future she's seeing, then who the hell are the people that came supposedly from the future? Well, but we saw those... All right, so the X-Men that came from the future to the present, Magic saw in the future in issue one. So, okay, so... Or in part one, I mean. Well, issue one. I would say that it's just, you know, we have good X-Men and bad X-Men. However, there's Iceman in here. Okay, so two possibilities. So either the future has already changed just based on what's happened so far in the story. Uh-huh. And this is a different future. And so Iceman, it's a better future. So Iceman, instead of turning into Ice Hulk, like, turns into a really smart guy, like a, almost like an Ice Wizard, right. an Ice Wise Man, whatever. An Ice Dumbledore. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a Isador? Sure. The other option is, because Iceman can make like Ice Dummies, and that's one of his powers he's developed over the last few years. 
Okay. And so maybe this Ice Hulk... He made him? He made him. But then he'd have to be able to control it through time. And that's a little bit of a stretch. But my inclination is it's a different future. The future has already changed. And I'm going to need an org chart to keep up with all the characters. Yeah. And what timeline they're from and where they're going and what they're trying to do. It's interesting. So what do you think of the the design of this future X-Men? I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. I I like Colossus a lot. I loved looking at it and trying to figure out who everybody was and yeah, who who had a kid with who. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, um, so what do you think of this one? I liked it. I especially like the colors and and okay. how certain scenarios, you know, as an artist when you're told, "Hey, you're going to show two people fighting telepathically, but they're not going to move." Right. You know, the the artist sort of version of how would that actually happen? And how to keep track of it in a way that the reader wouldn't be confused. I think they did a really good job. Okay. See, I thought the art um, wasn't quite there for me. But then I kind of realized why when you were doing the credits. Because I'm normally a big Kevin Coley fan. But it it felt a little off to me. But I'm wondering if maybe some of that is because someone went over and finished his art for him. And maybe in my personal opinion, that's where it lacks a little bit. Okay, so uh, why don't you give Wolverine and the X-Men number 36? I gave it five out of six claws. Okay, yeah, I'll give it five out of six. So I'm intrigued of where are we going to get the name from? What name? Battle of the Atom. Oh, well, because X-Men are children of the Atom, so this is the battle of all of them. What do you mean they're the children of the Atom? That's one of their names. Um, it comes from... Like the children first... of the corn? I guess kind of, but it comes from like, at least in the 60s when the X-Men started, the first mutations were all like nuclear related. And so they were changed, like the mutation occurs on an atomic level. And so it's kind of like the next step. So the Irons, one of the names, one of the old sci-fi names they had in the 60s was Children of the Atom. Oh. Well, there goes like three of my theories. Oh. And what were your theories? Well, that there was going to be an atom. Like, there was going to be a mutant who could molecularly change the future by changing atoms. Like, And so he was trying to manipulate the future or manipulate the world into what he wanted. Okay, well, before we move on from that, do you think there's like, Anywhere in this story, like an actual bad guy, like someone, like one person who's kind of behind the scenes pulling strings, or you think this is all just the different teams trying to do their different things? No, I do think that there's someone in the back pulling the strings. Okay. And I have a theory on who it is. Oh, who? Well, the only reason why, and, and this is my only context clue, is because Xavier's grandson the way he was in the first book or the chapter four and he had sort of the pinky half tone half on his face and the way he was drawn was very menacing i felt like it was foreshadowing of something he he keeps taking these pills which are supposed to be like cerebro pills yeah and i should that was a pretty cool concept i did think that was a pretty cool concept i just want to know if there's more to those little pills so what do you think Magic was looking for? 
I'm not 100% sure on that one. I think she's trying to find answers just like everybody else. And so, in theory, I think what she's trying to show is, hey, there are other X-Men that are different than the ones that... Because these X-Men, in the very back... Okay, so, you know, our the first time we meet the future X-Men, they're very gnarly. They're very drab. Right. They look like they've been to war. Very post-apocalyptic. Yes. These X-Men... Not that way. No, very uh, city on the shining hill. Yes, and so that to me is intriguing. Why is that? Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. What? All right, so I don't know if they're trying to do this or not, but the Iron Man, the way his armor, the color scheme is, Mm -hmm. reminds me of the High Evolutionary. I don't know who that is. He's an old X-Men villain. I think also Avengers villain. Basically, he tries to run around and advance evolution. Like, would be the opposite of organically. Not let evolution take it, like, just help it along, but unnaturally. Anyway, but he was kind of pinkish, purplish, and bluish. Which, so. the Sentinels are also That's pink true. and blue. Yeah, it's also the same color as Sentinels. I don't know. I, just, I wonder if it's, if it's Tony Stark or if it's a descendant of somebody. I don't know. Well, this is the future. I doubt it would be Tony Stark, well, right? Some of the X-Men are still alive in this future. They're but is Tony Stark Beast a mutant? Beast is still alive. No. But Beast and Iceman are both the same character. And Gene's still alive. Could this... Um, so, I got a question. We got the little, like, Phoenix fire dude. Yeah. So, could Gene have had a kid? And no. instead of a girl, it'd be a boy? Definitely possible, yeah. I wonder if the sunglasses are any indication of Cyclops. That's what I was wondering. I kind of hope not, though. They don't need another future kid. <laughs> are they bratty? Give it to somebody else. No, but they I mean, they have Rachel. They have Cable. They have a future kid named Cable? Actually, they sent Cable into the future to, to heal him of a disease. He had a techno-organic virus. And that really wasn't Gene's kid. That was Scott and Madeline Pryor, who he thought was Gene. It was Gene's clone. <laughs> but you realize it wasn't her, but it was in love with her anyway. And so they sent their kid to the future. They sent their kid to the future to save his life. Then he came back to the present, old, grown up. He's actually older than his dad. How weird is that? <laughs> See, any other questions or theories we need to talk about? Other than I'm royally confused at the moment. Oh. Time travel, man. Messy. All right, so uh, we're officially at the halfway point of Battle of the Atom. Um, what's your overall thought of the first half of this story? It's intriguing. Yeah, I like it. It's been fun. Yeah, been I'm... interesting. I like the different variations on the character. I'm normally not a huge fan of that. Yeah, but, but... I do think it's interesting because it, it, I mean, they're mutants. So they're constantly yeah. mutating. Their powers are constantly growing. So it's kind of fun to see like, Okay, in this version, this is what happens. Right, yeah. In another version, this is what happens. So I've enjoyed that part. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is going to be very uncommon book of me. Uh-oh. But the main reason I don't like that stuff as much is because they're never content to just tell that story. I mean, there's always somehow somebody stays in the pre- present or somebody does this and that. And I can't ever just say, hey, this is an alternate story. And now it's over, and we're just going to move on. It's always like, 
because people like it or if it's really good they have to there's always got to be some of it left around now some artist needs to just buck up grow up here and tell the producers or whoever <laughs> all these people are going back to their places and end of story yeah and that doesn't happen in comic books and ever. in three years we'll bring this character yeah. back I, mean, I didn't really like age of apocalypse nightcrawler and he was around in our universe forever yeah so whatever so we're gonna end up with some funky people well i don't know that's what i'm wondering we're going to end up with like four Jean Greys. <laughs> Great. I don't like her as it is. And now we're going to have four of her. Yeah, probably. Maybe she's in the Iron Man suit. I don't know, though, because I'm wondering if she's conspicuously absent from this version of the future. I hope she is. All right. Anyway, um, let's wrap up. Uh, We've got uh, another segment to do. going to fly solo on the Where's Logan, and then we'll wrap up the episode. Okay, so last up we have Where's Logan? It is in a few places for this episode. We have Deadpool 17, Cable and X-Force 14, and briefly in A plus X-12. So we're going to start off with Deadpool, uh, number 17, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, part 3 of 5. This is written by Brian Posehn and Gary Dugan. Art by Declan Shalvey, colorist is Jordi Belair, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and the cover is by Shalvi and Belair. It's some pretty cool cover. It's got Deadpool, Captain America, and Wolverine all like kind of coming out of the bottom left corner diagonally across the cover, busting through this kind of POV camp. I'm sorry, POW camp, not point of view, prisoner of war. And you have like the barbed wire fences and the dirt and stuff. It looks really nice. Deadpool's um handguns are getting giving off a pretty big flare for their fire. Um, but other than that, it's a pretty nice cover. I like it a lot. Captain America looks kind of weird in his face, but I like the pose and I like the art quite a bit. Wolverine and Deadpool both look awesome, and Captain America's pose looks pretty cool. So, yeah, it's a pretty nice cover. All right, so basically the deal is Deadpool has realized that this butler guy has been knocking him out and harvesting his organs. His end game is to revive his sister and to cure her with Deadpool's healing factor and, and bring her back to life or out of suspended animation or whatever. But I guess to get funding, he's been selling Deadpool materials to North Korea. They've been trying to make a super army of... Basically, they're using Deadpool's tissue and healing factor to try to bond x-men dna to people to kind of make like a super army but really it just makes a bunch of um x-men who look like they have decaying skin (laughs) kind of like deadpool does sometimes anyway that's where we are deadpool got captured and he found these x-men in a prison camp and then they found out uh oh they've also captured captain america and wolverine and that's where we uh pick up so we start with a flashback of captain america and bucky in world war ii and this is pretty cool I like the coloring on it too. Then we skip to now, and Deadpool has released Captain America and Wolverine. And uh, he kind of catches them up to speed. He introduces them to a new Nightcrawler. And all the art in here is pretty good. Again, 
book's really funny and I won't point out all the jokes because I would end up just reading you the issue. But um, there's a part where he says, uh, Wolverine asks if there's one of him like this. And Deadpool says, um, maybe I saw North Korean Danny DeVito on steroids. Wolverine (laughs) says, he smells like Kurt and you. And Deadpool says, don't be rude. Which... That would have been awesome if he would have said, How rude, like from Full House. That would have been funny. But maybe just to me. Anyway, the uh, the pocked up X-Men realize that something's going on and they break in and they're, they're going to try to fight. And um, Deadpool and Nightcrawler, uh, not Nightcrawler, talk them into like they're all on the same team. They're going to try to escape, go rescue their families who are being held prisoner. This Nightcrawler teleports Deadpool up to a guard tower and he has brass knuckles. One hand says dead and one hand says pool. And he says, I'm Dr. Deadpool. Surprise Dennis as he punches the guy in the face, knocking all his teeth out. Then he uh, starts taking out the guards. There's a really funny part where a Wolverine tries to teach this Colossus and Wolverine how to do a fastball special. He's like, you, pick him up and throw him to the tower. And you're like, up, up, and away, bub. It's called a fastball special. And the pose here is really cool because this other Wolverine just kind of crouches in Colossus's hand. And Colossus throws him and throws him way past the tower. <laughs> like, and just way out there. And Wolverine's like, oh, well, keep at it. <laughs> So then some of the guards, they have these syringes and they turn into giant rock monsters and get super violent. And there's some more fighting. One of the guys, he grabs this guy's sunfire and snaps his leg and then throws him through the barbed wire in a pretty gruesome panel. And then they grab a Thunderbird, pretty much pull him in half. Because all these guys, their skin and bones are pretty weak. Then we get an awesome full page spread. I actually tweeted this. Basically, it's Capt- it started raining. And we have Captain America holding a shield out, and he just caught it and, uh, after he threw it at one of the rock monsters. The rock lobsters. <laughs> we have Wolverine crouching, and we have Deadpool with two machine guns. And Cap, uh, basically, the three of them working together in a nutshell. So Cap says, your camp has fallen. I urge you to surrender. You don't need to die tonight. And Wolverine says, I urge you not to listen to Cap and keep fighting, snicked. <laughs> And Deadpool says, uh, I haven't prepared any remarks, so why don't you just do what your heart tells you? And of course, then they attack, they defeat the guys, Wolverine cuts one a hole in a rock monster's chest, and Deadpool shoves a bomb in there, and it explodes, and we notice that Wolverine takes a piece of rock shrapnel through the arm. Uh, Captain America goes to the other guy and says, surrender, or I'll turn you over to those two. And he looks over and sees Wolverine and Deadpool just standing there scowling, and so he gives them all the information. And then Deadpool notices that Wolverine isn't healing. He's like, yeah, I lost my healing factor. And Deadpool, of course, gives him a hard time, puts a Hello Kitty band-aid on his arm, says, but don't worry, I lost my healing factor. I got it right back. I'm sure you will too. So go lie down and let your old body heal from this traumatic injury while I... While I hunt down Butler and really cool panel of him running with his machine guns in the rain. Looks pretty awesome. But finds out the Butler has escaped. I'm on a helicopter and we see him. He's landing in Camp 23. He's where the family of these other uh, not X-Men are. And he basically says, my work here is done. You can do whatever you want. You have a whole crap load of Deadpool tissue and X-Men DNA. You knew what you want. I, my work here is done. I'm going to take what I need and go try to revive my sister. And we're going to kind of part ways. Then, of course, we have another awesome letter. I love the way they handle their letters pages in this book. 
That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I thought uh, Wolverine was pretty cool. I, I like the, I really like kind of the team up of Captain America, Wolverine, and Deadpool. It works really well. Besides, like the Weapon Plus connection, Night. Yeah, I'm one. I'm one that I like that story and that whole kind of just the interlocking web of all of that Weapon Plus stuff. I know people have different opinions of it, but I actually, when it's done well and written well, I like it quite a bit. And it was written pretty well in this story, and the art was really good. So it was funny, it advanced the story, kind of the same things I've said about this arc since it started, you know? A lot of humor, a lot of action, some good Deadpool and Wolverine violence, a lot of good dialogue. Just, it's a good book. So even under the good rating, I'm going to still give uh, Deadpool number 17. I'm going to give it a double snit. Six out of six claws. I, I'm enjoying this arc a lot. And I'm kind of, yeah, I'm enjoying Deadpool a lot right now. So I thought Wolverine and Cap, while obviously kind of being through the lens of the, of the Deadpool type humor one of the writers writing the book, I thought they were still themselves. And I don't know, this, this trio works really well for me. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I'm going to give Deadpool 17 six out of six claws and get old double snit. Alright, so let's move on to Cable and X-Force number 14. Cable's been out of control and we realize that Hope has gone into the future to see her future self in Strife Armor. And she's been sending, trying to change Cable's powers by giving him or helping him have these premonitions that he's been using for all his missions since this book started. Of course, we're on number 14 now. Oh, uh, credits. This is by Dennis Hopeless, writer, Salvador LaRocca, artist, Frank DeMarta. Or Diamarna, colorist, VCs Joe Sabino, letterer, and LaRocca and Diamarna did the cover. Um, the cover's okay. It's got Cable kind of laying on the ground, struggling, and the uncanny Avengers approaching him, and Hope kind of standing between them. Or kneeling between them, really. Not a bad cover, it's alright. So anyway, Hope is in the future with her future self, arguing. They're trying to come up with a plan. Basically, future Hope says, you know what? I screwed Cable up. And present Hope says, not only that, you're, you're, the way you change his powers is killing him. So they're going to have to go back and change it and give Hope the... the Oh, what's it called here? Uh, this has a new weapon here. It's that old scimitar, is that what it's called, that Cable used to have? from the Ascanis clan stuff. Basically, Hope has to put that in contact with Cable's brain, because it's basically, with all his new powers, his mental powers have overloaded. Like, all of a sudden, he's blowing a circuit in his head, and that's what's going to kill him and possibly a bunch of other people. But this thing can be the totality, or the focus of the totality of his mental energy, but Hope's pretty much going to have to stab him in the head and hope that it, like, disperses his energy through the scavenger. What's the word? It's not a scavatar. That sounds wrong. What do they call it? Anyway, so Hope goes back to the present, and we see Cable and the X-Force and the Uncanny Avengers fighting it out outside Avengers Mansion. We have some fighting. Not bad. We have Havoc and Wolverine arguing. Havoc basically saying that he knows Cable's right now, but he can't let him get away. They're still terrorists. And Wolverine says, yeah, you can. He just won't. And this whole time, he's just relaxing, eating potato, a bag of potato chips. Says he's not going to go fight his friends unless they come into the mansion. So anyway, he kind of walks off. So Havoc goes to talk to Cable, but Cable's out of control. And he's killing Havoc. But Hope shows up, and Wolverine's not going to let her in the door. He says, uh, he says, I don't, I got no dog in this race, kid. But you know I can't let you inside. Not today. And Hope says, Logan, shut up. 
if I don't help Cable, we're all going to die. And he's like, oh yeah, is that right? And then the building starts crumbling, of course. Wolverine looks up and says, all right, we'll go ahead. And then, um, oh, it's a scimitar. Okay, yeah. Anyway, Blacksmith gave it to Hope to take back to the present. And she shunks it right into Cable's forehead. There's a big, like, psychic explosion, but it doesn't hurt anybody physically. It's like a psychic shockwave, they describe it. And the thing breaks, but the blade is still sticking out in Cable's forehead. It looks like a giant boomerang stuck in his head. Cable wakes up and looks like he's okay. He helps Havoc up, and Havoc basically says, um, you're still a fugitive, I need to take you in, but I also think you're right. Uh, you're trying to protect people from these calamities, I know what you're trying to prevent. And so basically, there wasn't much I could do. My nephew is an Omega-level telekinetic. He trashed the mansion, knocked me out, and left with his team. By the time I could get everybody together, it was too late. He says, don't mention it, ever. And he was like, thanks, deal. And uh, they leave. That's it. Um, I gotta say, I'm a LaRocca fan. I'm not, not digging his art in this book that much. Uh, it's not bad. It's just not, I don't know, it's, especially this issue. This wasn't kind of up to what I consider his standard. But, yeah, I don't know. Heart's okay. Stories, I don't really like that much what they're doing with Cable right now. And the whole, like, his power being manipulated from hope in the future. I'm, I feel like every book right now is time travel. And, I don't know, it's wearing a little thin. The ones that are really good, I'm enjoying. But because there's so much of it, the ones kind of like this that are just kind of okay, kind of don't really want to read anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like Hopeless doesn't really know exactly what kind of book he's trying to write. Like, it's kind of big, dumb action with one-liners. But the action's okay, and the one-liners are a little bit less than okay. Like, they're not that good. I don't know. It's just, not really digging this book that much right now. But it's kind of, I don't know. I I like Cable, and I want him to be cool, but I haven't. I don't really haven't enjoyed his development in this book so far. So, and Wolverine didn't really do anything. He talked to Havoc, and he talked to Hope, and just kind of stood around. Yeah. So I'm gonna give Cable an X Force number fourteen. I'm gonna go two out of six claws, and I think I'm being generous. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so A plus X, number 12. We have a Wonder Man and Beast story written by Christus Gage with art by David Williams, colors by Veronica Gandini, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Then we have a Captain America and Jubilee story written by Justin Jordan, art by Angel Unzeta, or Unzueta, maybe. Colors by Thomas Mason and letters again by VCs Clayton Cowles. Mike Diodato and James Campbell did the covers. Pretty nice cover. Um, it's Beast and Wonder Man just kind of jumping around. But Beast looks really cool. I like Diodato's version of the newest incarnation of Beast. Looks pretty sweet. All right, so basically this story is about Beast and Wonder Man catching up and trying to reconcile kind of the different directions they've gone. They have a night out on the town having fun. And one part, they uh, Wolverine's asleep on the couch and they... Sh- cut all the hair off of half of his head he gets really mad and he's got his claws out jumping at him and wonder man says it's a joke it'll grow back by morning and says that wolverine's anger is a masking emotion he needs to explore the pain underneath that's pretty much it that's all that wolverine's in there wonder man and beast bond decide they're still kind of different but you know they can still be friends it's an okay story 
uh, OKR. Then Captain America and Jubilee, uh, Captain America enlists Jubilee's help. There's a sunken sub off the coast of Louisiana. It's an old Nazi sub from Baron Strucker. They feel like there might be some survivors. So they go down there, and of course, there's Nazi vampires. Captain America and Jubilee take them out. Jubilee says, Was this just a warning to me if I ever get out of hand? And Captain's like, No, I was hoping you could be an example to them. They're not monsters because they're vampires. They're monsters because they choose to be. We are our choices. It says, the art in this was cool. I liked it better than the first half. Story wasn't bad. It was pretty cool. Overall, I get the whole book. I don't know. I'll just do one lump grade with both stories. And I'll say it all averages out to about three out of six claws. Anyway, that is our segment of Where's Logan? So let's wrap this episode up. All right. So that's going to do it for episode 60. Thanks for sticking around. So anyway, please uh, leave an iTunes review if you feel so inclined. Um, if you want show notes and stuff, you can go to the website. That's snickcast.podbean.com. Of course, you can email snickcast at yahoo.com. Please like the Facebook page. We're kind of stalled. We, we, uh, we're we kind of slowly adding people, and then we've kind of uh, just stopped. So, uh, so this is my idle threat. Yeah, Stop ba- stalking. Become friends. Yeah. Anyway, uh, go ahead and like the page. There's no reason not to. You're already listening to the podcast. You might and as well I, interact with other people. If you don't, I'm going to personally go to your house and make you click the like button. Yes. Her mutant powers to travel through the internet and find your IP address. I I think I can do that. Yeah. Anyway, um, you can search for us on Facebook. The podcast that goes snicked. And who I guess uh, you can follow the link off of the webpage. Or you can go right to facebook.com slash snicked podcast fan page. You can also follow us on Twitter at snickcast. We've been doing good on Twitter. Twitter's been fun. So you can get on that too. But I'd like to have some of that same fun on Facebook. So um, we can argue later over whether Facebook is dying and going the way of MySpace or not. It doesn't really matter. Right now, people are still on it. So get on over there and like that page. Likey, likey. All right. Well, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.